The following is an exclusive presentation of the LSU Sports Radio Network. Welcome in to the Brian Kelly Press Conference, delivered by ASAP, the official mobile ordering partner of LSU Athletics. Download the ASAP app today. Coming up, head coach Brian Kelly discusses the week ahead for LSU Fighting Tiger football. But first, from inside the Capital One LSU Sports Radio Network studios, here are former Tiger, Gordy Rush, and the voice of your Fighting Tigers, Chris Blair. Good Monday morning to you. We're here on the campus of Louisiana State University. Another Brian Kelly press conference delivered to you by ASAP Tigers. Take care of business on senior night inside Tiger Stadium, a 41-10 winner over UAB. Brian Kelly will address the media previewing the season finale, the regular season finale against Texas A&M over in College Station on Saturday night. I am Hunt Palmer, Chris Blair, working down in the Cayman Islands. The Tigers are taking care of business right now against Illinois State, joined by Gordy Rush. Gordy, have you thought out from Saturday night? I have thought out. It's been an interesting two weeks, dating back to walking onto the field at, uh, in Fayetteville with a cup of coffee, watching them water down the ice. And, uh, Which and the, made more ice, correct? It did make more ice. Um, and then, of course, the sideways rain. And it got a little got a little chilly in the second half, but good to go for the show. I'm glad glad to be here. Um, look, the Tigers, you know, it was an empty stadium, basically. It was terrible weather. You're playing an out-of-conference game for the first time in six weeks, but they did take care of business. A little bit of a special teams blunder early in the game that allowed UAB to get on the board, but LSU totally controlled it from that point forward. They did. Brian Kelly talked about mental toughness after the game in his post-game press conference, and, and def- that being defined as, as coming out here and doing your your job doing what you're supposed to when a lot of people in college football struggled to do so. It was a rough weekend when you, you look around college football. Michigan and Ohio State played close ball games. South Carolina upset Tennessee. Yeah, a lot of uh, non-conference games like the one in College Station, which were too too close, to, closer than they should have been. But yet LSU was able to come in here with the right focus, play a respectable football team in UAB. This good football team that's having a rough year, lost a lot of close ball games. They played focus, and, and the outcome was what it should have been. Look, I was a little bit concerned with the offense against Arkansas. Just never got into a rhythm the entire game. And you wonder, okay, maybe Barry Odom cracked the code a little bit here, dropping everybody, spying Jaden Daniels. But I don't know what you would be tried to do. It didn't work. Jaden Daniels goes for 297 yards through the air, another 111 on the ground, and LSU was on cruise control on offense. And I like the the approach from Mike Denbrock and the, the Denbrock and the offensive staff for LSU. They wanted to get Daniels comfortable early. They came out throwing the football mm-hmm. despite the slick field, despite the rain, despite it was cold. They got out there and made that a priority, and Daniels got comfortable. And as Daniels gets into a rhythm, this offense follows suit, and they did that. Running back is a little bit of an issue depth-wise now. We learned Armani Goodwin going to be out for the year, so I'm assuming Brian Kelly will talk about that a little bit later, but they've I mean, they had a safety plan running back at the end of the game. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I had to pull pull up the depth, pull out the depth chart from the back of my my back pocket to see, and I thought he was a safety, and I saw a little bit of uh, Nick Demas as well out there as, as well. Now, no doubt, I, I think Josh Williams was one of those situations where you hold him out. He could have gone if necessary, but you, you want to hold him, make sure he's healthy against Texas A&M. And then, you know, Noah, Noah Kane ha- has a fantastic game. He pro- 
primarily been the short yardage or goal line sort of specialist for him. I stepped up and, and ran the ball well between the tackles. And, and then he's going to talk a little bit about John Emery. I'm sure he's going yeah. to get asked. John, John Emery has put the ball on the ground the last couple of games, lost two of them, and that's something you, you got to correct. That'll, that'll get you beat in a close football game. I was sending you a few texts. I was getting some texts. Where's Kayshawn? Why is Kayshawn out there? Sounds like just a little bit sick last week, and we expect to be ready to go this week. So it surprised me when, when I got the text from you because he went through pregame warm-ups. They decided to keep him back there, I assume. Anytime the coach said he had the flu, he probably want to get some fluids in him. And then as I was coming out, he was getting dressed, right? And and he had uh, he was putting his pads on. I don't think he came out. Everybody had those big jackets on. There was no, I, LSU didn't need him, so it made no sense to put him out there. And indeed, he had the flu, but he should be back for Texas A&M. Defensively, UAB, you knew we were going to come out and, and try to run the football. Dwayne McBride led the nation in rushing, entering the game. And you look up at the end of the ball game; he carries it 13 times for 34 yards. LSU put uh, put that UAB rushing attack in a bottle. They did, and look. A lot of good coaches, I mean, especially at UAB. They, they came out and scripted two or three series and came out throwing the football, did what LSU didn't expect them, a lot of play-action pass. They were able to get the ball to a tight end on a, like a delayed wheel route and gave LSU some fits early in the football game and got their 10 points. And then UAB thought they could settle down and, and run the football, and they had opened some alleys up, and that was not the case. Again, Matt House, I thought, did a, a wonderful job of dictating pace, uh, dictating tempo and what he wanted to do to UAB and took he, took the running lanes down, forced them to throw the football, and they're not a throwing football team. They had a rough night doing it. They sure did. Greg Penn led the way for LSU with eight tackles, including a tackle for loss. I thought a very cool moment in the game, Ali Gay, with his parents there for the first time as an LSU Tiger gets a sack on senior night, and, and really the entire defense played a, a good ball game. Defense played well, and and you know the, to, to me it when, when you stop a a spread running team like that that's using a lot of this eleven personnel, a chipper is what they call the it's a new age for this little yeah. H back running back. You really have to be sound in your run fits, and we've seen this defense from the Florida State game where they had a lot of mistakes in the in the run fits. In the last couple of weeks, against some really good running teams, Ole Miss was a good running team. Arkansas is a good running team. UAB is a good running team. Really solid and focused on their run fits are, especially, again, on a night where, you know, it's tough to focus when it's cold and wet. LSU's done a really good job against a lot of really good running backs uh, th- this year. When you, you mentioned some of the teams there, but Rocket Sanders of Arkansas couldn't get going against LSU at 46 yards. You look at um, Montreal Johnson at Florida had 57 yards. Uh, you look at Tank Bixby, he's a great back at, at Auburn, had 45 yards. Uh, LSU, for the most part this year, has done a good job against the run, really saved the Tennessee game, but nobody runs with the tempo that Tennessee does, so it's not likely that anybody's going to duplicate that moving forward. No, no, I, I agree. Look, especially a new def- new defensive coordinator, new personnel. I mean, Perkins is, is fit in at that nickel role, what, what have you, as a, as a true freshman. And, you know, he's limited in, in his knowledge of, of totally the total madhouse defense. And then especially to get two safeties, two new safeties to me, to get Brooks and Fouché, that they, they both came from Arkansas, that, that they're running that defense back there off the hash. I, I think it's really uh, speaks – to, to Matt House and what a job he and his staff is, have done in, in coaching his defense up. Tigers improved in 9-2. and two. They'll look for a 10th win coming up Saturday in College Station. Tiger fans, make sure to download the ASAP app to get all of your game day needs delivered right to your door. ASAP, the official mobile ordering partner of LSU Athletics. Hunt Palmer and Gordy Rush getting you ready for the Brian Kelly press conference. We'll come back and preview the Aggies next on the LSU Sports Radio Network. 
Back here inside the Capital One Studios on the campus of Louisiana State University, getting you ready for the Brian Kelly Press Conference, delivered to you by ASAP Hunt Palmer and Gordy Rush. Chris Flair down in the Cayman Islands, watching LSU play Illinois State right now. The score, LSU 68, Illinois State 51. Tigers got out to a quick start and have not looked back in game one down there in the Caymans. Hopefully a quick start for the Tigers on the gridiron on Saturday night inside College Station. Tigers looking for their 10th win and to finish the regular season in style. Texas A&M basically wants to get this in the rearview mirror. It has been a brutal go for Jimbo Fisher's Aggies. Lost six in a row for the first time in 50 years. Finally broke that streak last week with a win over UMass. This is kind of their bowl game at this point. It is their bowl game, and and you're wondering if there's enough left in the tank for this team to show up, and I, that's why I thought the Auburn win over Texas A&M was so big and that that eliminated Texas A&M from bowl eligibility. So this one, the, the situation was here in Tiger Stadium for LSU. They were playing for a chance to go to the bowl game. That's out now with, with seven losses already on the season. It's always a big game. Uh, you know, the Texas A&M has a, a tremendous amount of tradition. They play. Uh, Thanksgiving is always a special time there. They're going to show up. It's not going to be the crowd that you saw for UMass. The question is, is Jimbo Fisher going to get this team focused and ready to play LSU? They're on their third quarterback of the season. It'll be the freshman, Connor Wigman, who's been out there the last couple of weeks after a bout of the flu had him out from uh, from the game a couple of weeks earlier. Um, it's a limited offense. They have been injured. They have had suspensions, and now they're on quarterback number three. But we know what Jimbo wants to do if he has his druthers. Yeah, and, and they want to run the football. And A-Chain, I, I believe, sat out last week. He did. I, did I believe, not look good in pregame warm-ups. Right, and, and so questionable whether or not he's going to go. In fact, when you looked at their injury list against UMass, it's what you expected. Uh, it, 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 if, if in doubt, you're going to hold him out for this ball game. Who's going to play becomes the first thing, even at that point. They've been really limited in in their passing game. They've struggled all season long. That close game against App State, I think, kind of tipped everybody's hand that that was going to be the situation. But on the other hand, there was enough team there, uh, enough personnel, enough players to have a chance to beat Alabama up in Tuscaloosa. So there's plenty of talent there. Are they going to be able to pull it all together? Their offensive line has really, really struggled. That would bode well for LSU with the pass rushers and and what they've done at the point of attack this year. Yeah, I agree with you. And, And especially the, the t- a team like that where you have a quarterback that is not necessarily dynamic. I mean, you think, think of in, in terms of athletic-wise, he, he's not Jefferson. He's not Richardson. He's certainly not Bryce Young. And if you're not going to move your quarterback against Perkins and Ojulari and the speed out there, it can really be a long evening. I think what, what you said earlier, if, if LSU can get out to a fast start, score some points, I, A&M can't score with LSU and you wonder if some of those players that have had enough of these season check in check out a little early yeah I mean you just go go through the list of the guys they don't have we'll see if they have a chain to Anaya Smith lost for the season he's their most dynamic playmaker on the outside Evan Stewart their five-star freshman did not play in the last game they're hopeful to get him back this week the offensive line's been banged up you're on your third quarterback it's been a real rough go for Jimbo in that offense DJ Durkin coordinates that defense that uh, has really given up a lot against the run that started in a game uh, early in in the year against uh, Sam Houston at State ran it really, really well, and, and most teams have kind of punished them on the ground. Yeah, and and, and again, it, it's I, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see the way that Durkin is going to try and scheme uh, this this LSU offense. UAB didn't really 
replicate a lot of things Arkansas did. And, and I was really intrigued with what Barry Odom did. He, he kept everybody wide. He spied Jane Daniels. They, he wanted to take Jane Daniels out of the football game and force LSU to run between the tackles. And Daniels had an off-passing attack. Will Durkin do some of the same things that Odom did two weeks ago? That's the thing that concerned me is it looked like Barry Odom may have cracked the code a little yep. bit because Jane Daniels, and I don't know if it was the turnovers early or what, but just never looked sure of himself the rest of the way. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, for LSU, if, if – if they're going to stay wide, and it was a three-three-five wide, the linebackers stayed wide and stayed outside and tried to contain Daniels with that spy, as you mentioned, then you've got to be able to run the ball between the tackles. So hopefully that means you get Josh Williams right back for that game. You, you've had the talk with John Emery. You're going to have to have multiple running backs to run the ball there. And I still go back to you. you still got to be able to throw, throw the football. If they're, they're going to play that sort of defense and, and waste a man and spy, and take him out of coverage, you need to take advantage of that. You know, it's it's so interesting because you figure that Texas A&M should come out uh, fired up in this game. It's their last game. It's LSU. They don't love LSU. It should be a pretty pretty big crowd, uh, I would think, because Texas A&M pretty much always has a big crowd, unless it's 40 degrees and raining and you're right. playing UMass. Um, I think the energy level will be there to start the game. The question is, can Texas A&M sustain it because of all the suspensions, all the injuries, all the losses they've had? And you know the transfer portal opens up pretty quickly uh, after a, a season where you lose as many games as they have. I, it's twofold. If LSU gets off to a good start, one, A&M's not really built to come back throwing right. football. Two, where's the effort? Where's the energy level in the stadium? Can you kind of shut the door on this thing? Yeah, Thanksgiving weekend. I mean, I, I, there's some Aggies that are having hard discussions <laughs> right now. They're going to make some business decisions <laughs> whether they want to make the trip up to College Station for the for this football game. But I think. Uh, you're, you're on point with that. Are they going to be able to respond if LSU gets up 10 nothing, 14 nothing? Quick starts everything for the Tigers in this one. And the Tigers got some help over the weekend with Tennessee losing. Uh, I think that's probably not something that, that, that Brian Kelly would bring up to his team about national championship implications or whatnot, but we're talking to fans right now. That's a shot of life because Tennessee may have been a tough thing for LSU to get by because of what happened inside Tiger Stadium uh, back a couple of months ago. So now you're kind of looking like you've got a chance here if you can take care of your business. Right, and, and Brian Kelly is absolutely not talking nope. about that in the team meeting, but for you and I, we, we can talk about that. Look, I think if LSU takes care of business against Texas A&M and Georgia, things are going to work out, and that's all that you can worry about going forward. I'm just worried about this game, Gordy. I think you've heard me enough. No, I just I'm I know not, how I'm you not feel big, about. I'm not a big Aggie fan, and it just scares me a little bit that they can get up and try to just throw cold water on this whole thing. LSU did it to Texas A&M yes. 12 months ago with a, a skeleton crew team, and they found a way to get it done at the end. But it was different. The, the Ed Ogeron was, you know, Ed, Ed Ogeron was was not coming back. Uh, the defensive changes they made during the open week, and all of a sudden this defense <laughs> should have beat Alabama, yes. could have beat Arkansas, uh, and they were playing at a high level, and they were playing for a bowl, albeit we, we didn't know how exciting the bowl it was going to be, <laughs> and uh, got a chance to go play Kansas State and Texas with 39 scholarship people. But I, I'm with you. I, I think we'll, we'll see. Uh, I think we'll see A and M show up for this game. And the other side of the Tennessee loss is it, it kind of may be opens the door for LSU to go to the Sugar Bowl if things don't go the way they want uh, in Atlanta in a couple of weeks because Tennessee was likely going to be ranked higher than LSU in the Sugar Bowl, takes the highest ranked SEC team that doesn't make the playoffs. So a little light at the end of the tunnel there as well for Tiger fans. Maybe a trip back to the Superdome. I think get a little better taste in our mouth yeah. after that game. And wouldn't it be nice and, and if Kansas State, you get a rematch right. with Kansas State with full scholarship And a, an actual quarterback? And not a wide receiver I mean, who's out there running around? I think around? I would enjoy that because the Kansas State folks acted like they won the national championship <laughs> in that game. So I, for one, would like that rematch. 
I, I certainly would too. I think a lot of people uh, people around here would. I want to remind you, Tiger fans, make sure to download the ASAP app to get all your game day needs delivered right to your door. ASAP, the official mobile ordering partner of LSU Athletics. Hunt Palmer and Gordy Rush getting you ready for the Brian Kelly press conference. He will address the media here very shortly. He's probably going to recap the UAB game to an extent and then get ready for Texas A&M. Going to answer some questions, I'm sure, about some injuries, some sickness, and we'll get, uh, we'll get all that taken care of here uh, when he takes the podium in a couple of minutes. Um, Gordy, um, this team, is, it's an interesting one to me because they've won so many games and they should have established a great amount of trust, but I'm still getting nervous when they take the field for some reason. They're 9-2. They've played great football, but I guess right. it's just it just hasn't quite looked as dominant as some of LSU's Western Division Championship, SEC Championship teams. Where are you when you, when, when you look at this I, I'm with you. I, I think a, a huge factor, again, in this LSU team being successful and winning the football game is their ability, the ability to get Jane Daniels in rhythm and get him playing in confidence. And to me, the, especially early in the season against Mississippi State, the slow starts against Mississippi State, slow start yeah. against Florida State. There are times that this, this offense can look so disjointed. And when he gets going, when he's in rhythm, the offense follows suit. And I, I'm with you. I mean, there's still that question mark. And DJ Durkin's a good defensive coordinator, and they've got players. They haven't had the year that they wanted to, but they, they potentially have the people to, to make it difficult. Daniels is the, is the guy that makes the thing go. There's no doubt about it. I, I remember sitting in the, in the Dome and uh, – in the first quarter, he took off running. I went, whoa, he's he's like a wide receiver fast. He's not like a dual-threat quarterback. Like, when he gets going, he's going. He's very <laughs> deceiving when, yeah. when you see him out there. He's moving a heck of a lot faster. And, and you know, I think he does a nice job of recognizing uh, when, when there's defenders that have their back turned to the football and, and when when is the correct time to pull that football down. And the, the question, he's just been indecisive at times. The yeah, Arkansas right. game, that's what comes to mind. When he's decisive, like he was on Saturday, the ball comes out pretty quickly. You know the kind of playmakers LSU's got on the outside. And so that's just that's when the whole thing gets rolling, when he's able to just get rid of the ball very quickly. Well, when he gets running, I, 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 you can ill afford as a defensive coordinator to play press coverage and gamble because if, if you miss and he gets through you, that's 20, 25 yards explosive play. So a lot of defensive coordinators have backed up and given those receivers room if you give those receivers room you take those passes and i think that's the balance that lsu found starting with florida and Ole miss that the dbs backed up they got in the football quickly in space update from the cayman islands lsu has a 20 point lead with two and a half minutes to play tigers 75 illinois state 55 in game one of the cayman island classic I want to remind you and set the stage for saturday uh, thanksgiving weekend lsu and texas a&m will kick off at 6 o'clock, that means at 4 o'clock, myself, Brandon Taylor, and Marlon Favorite will be with you for LSU game day. We'll be with you for 90 minutes before we toss things to the broadcast team over in College Station. I don't think you have to bring any snow gear or rain gear this week. It appears we're going to be in pretty good shape on Saturday. That's good because I have to go exchange my big black boots. They actually broke these black Nike Air snowmobiles or whatever they are. I had a, they were punctured after seven years, and they had good. Remember the Tennessee, years. the Tennessee game where Eddie yes. O was out there jumping in the tunnel before at halftime. I was standing next to him, so those I had to get new boots. Let's go into the Lawton room, head coach Brian Kelly. Ready, ready. I right, we'll start off with a quick recap of the weekend. Um, as I mentioned, yeah, I, um, showed uh, great mental toughness in the way that they were accountable for you know the their play, right, and doing their job, and uh, certainly a game where, um, you know, not an SEC opponent, but um, really like the way that they prepared and played the game the right way. 
uh, for four quarters and uh, in less than ideal conditions, not a full crowd, coming off of an incredible environment the week, well, two weeks prior at Alabama, all those things usually equal into um, a change in the way you think. Uh, but their consistent application of our process has allowed them to, you know, play each game with a faceless opponent and go out and do their job the right way and was really proud of them. So I wanted to publicly say that again. Now moving forward, um, we take on an SEC opponent, which is well known to all LSU fans in Texas A&M. And um, certainly when we talk about a talented football team, this is as arguably as talented as a football team as, as we'll see all year. Um, they're young in some areas, but it doesn't um, take away from the talent that they have on the field. Um, you know, Jimbo obviously is an outstanding football coach. I've gone against him uh, when he was at Florida State. Um, you know, certainly this is this is their game, right? I mean, last one that they play this year against LSU, their rival, they'll play their absolute best against us, and we'll have to meet and exceed, you know, our play. Um, you know, certainly outstanding players on both sides of the ball. Devin Achain, uh, the running back, is outstanding. The receiver, um, one of the best in the country. Um, again, Stewart is, is a guy that you have to know where he is at all times. Um, defensively, young and talented, outstanding defensive line, run to the football. Um, again, great atmosphere. Um, and uh, one that our football team is certainly looking forward to um, and, and has, uh, you know, again, from, from our perspective, um, handled themselves all year in the right, the right way and, and uh, will prepare accordingly for an outstanding, uh, talented football team. That Look, they, they don't have the wins that they wanted, uh, but all they need is one, uh, and, and that's to beat LSU. So uh, we'll have to prepare very well. Uh, and perform well on Saturday against this football team. So with that, we'll open up to questions. Coach, um, just on the offensive line, how are you all working Garrett Dellinger back in? And just, you know, what's the update on the offensive line going into this game? Yeah, so Dellinger got some playing time. I thought he contributed nicely to the rotation, um, playing at the guard position. As you know, we started Martinez uh, at the center position. I thought he did a nice job. Um, and, and uh, again, I think you know Dellinger's best position is and more comfortable at the guard position than he is at the center position. So we'll continue to work him in. Hey Brian, you mentioned coaching against Jimbo. Did it four times when you were at Notre Dame. Um, what are the hallmark of Jimbo teams, and what's it like coaching against, preparing against him? Always talented. Uh, he's obviously a great recruiter, and he's he's talented. Uh, he's had talented football teams. Uh, every year that I've gone against him. Um, again, the, the, the calling card has always been um, outstanding offenses, uh, the ability to um, you know, play aggressive defense, and just good football teams. You know, and they've always been great games, um, and look forward to a, another great matchup again. Brian, you'll have the chance to win 10 games in regular season. It would be the second time that's done here since 2012. Obviously, you've done that a few times already. Do you find that there's anything significant uh, for a program just to be able to reach that benchmark? Um, no, I don't think they give you any ticket tape parades or anything that's uh, – but, you know, 10, 10 wins, you know, is 
certainly a benchmark, I think, and in, in when people look back on seasons, you know, I think it does a lot in terms of um, solidify your, you know, your postseason opportunities. I think it puts you in a different category. Um, but I don't think you go into the season going, hey, we got to get to 10. Uh, I think you go into the season thinking about, you know, winning the SEC West. Um, this is an important football game because we want to continue to get better as a football team as we go into uh, the SEC West Championship game. So it's important for us because each week for us is we're, we're building something within our program. As I mentioned, the UAB game may not have been as important to other people outside the walls, but inside the walls, that was a huge game for us in terms of you know, doing our job, you know, the way the job needs to be done, when it needed to be done, and, and that was really important for us. That was a, that was a big hurdle for us, and, and this is another one. It's going on the road against a really talented team that has nothing to lose, and you have to play well because they will play up to you. So I think we just think more terms of challenges within the program than particular wins at this point. Coach Kelly, to your left over here. Uh, just what does the holiday week present as far as challenges to get your team prepared on the road? Uh, just kind of take us through your schedule and how it works for you. Well, I think the same, you know, challenges on the road, you know, are there for you. Um, Thursday we handle a little bit different. You know, we'll practice in the morning, um, but uh, we'll have Thanksgiving dinner together. We'll bring the coaches' families in. The players will be with us. Um, and, and share Thanksgiving together. Uh, we'll release all of the non-travel players after practice in the morning so they can be with their families. Um, and, and then really from there, it just becomes a normal um, Friday for us where we'll have meetings at noon and then you know board the plane around three, four o'clock and get into College Station around six o'clock. So then it just becomes business as usual. Yes, it's just the Thursday really that alters just a little bit. Hey, Coach, uh, when you were named the head coach at that podium, I think you were asked about discipline, and you said it was going to be on the players. The team was going to need to discipline themselves. Um, what players, what leaders have you, say, have you seen that have emerged in that regard and taken ownership of the team? Well, as you know, we, we break our team into uh, SWAT leaders, and we rotate that throughout the entire football team. I've never been really a believer that there's just three or four captains and they just, uh, that's it. I, I like roving leaders. I, li I like that to come from all forms, from freshmen, sophomores, juniors. For example, some of our great leaders have been, you know, Makai Wingo, who's a transfer from Missouri, who's just a sophomore. Uh, but we've gotten great leadership from you know, veteran seniors as well, and, and Mike Jones, who's, you know, not even in a starting position right now, but means a lot to our football team. So I think it's important that everybody serves some kind of leadership role to get true accountability across the board. And, and so that's kind of been, for me, how you build that um, accountability and discipline, that personal discipline. Uh, when you share it throughout the entire football program and in each class as well. Coach, now that you've gone through this league for just about a year, you got one more regular season game, anything that maybe was a preconceived notion of yours that has kind of been erased, just, just your thoughts on going through this thing the first time? 
No, I think it's lived up to what I had thought. I mean, it's difficult. Each and every week is is a, a challenge. And you look at the Arkansas game. You know, we played, you know, a team that you saw what they did this past weekend to to Ole Miss. I mean, uh, it, it you have to play well. And you know, a lot a lot of people looked at our thirteen to ten game and kind of, you know, said what's wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with our team. You know, it's each and every week the challenges that you get in this conference. You better be ready to play. Uh, there's no week off, and that's exhausting. That's tiring. That's why I was so proud of the performance of our football team this past weekend against a dangerous UAB team that can run the football as an outstanding back. That requires effort. That requires grit and toughness to stop a run team like that. So, no, I, I don't know that anything has really surprised me as much as I think, you know, being in this business as long as I have, I think I got to know the SEC and how difficult it is from week to week, and it's lived up to that. Hey, Coach, uh, just wonder if we could get an update on Josh Williams and if you think he'll be back this week. And then uh, Noah Kane seizing opportunity that opportunity last weekend. Just what does his role look like moving forward? I guess. Yeah, I think Noah Kane has helped himself, right? I mean, he's look, he's not flashy. I don't think he's going to be a guy that makes a ton of people miss, but does he really have to, right? He plays with low pads. He's physical. He's smart. He catches the ball coming out of the backfield. He's reliable in pass protection, um, and he's tough to bring down. I mean, the... I mean, I just think I mentioned four or five things that are pretty good to have. Um, he doesn't have, you know, maybe some of those, um, you know, wow factors, but steady and physical. And I think he leads our team in, in rushing touchdowns uh, in terms of the running back position. So uh, it's been extremely effective for us. Josh uh, is making progress. Uh, as, as we mentioned, he had a, um, a knee sprain. Uh, we want to be very careful and take our time and bring him back accordingly. But each and every day, he's made the kind of progress necessary to, to hope that he can play this weekend. Um, you talked about Makai Wingo. Um, but how have you seen, what points of growth have you seen him and Jaqueline Roy this season? Obviously, the defensive tackle position was not very deep after the loss of Mason Smith. And just how have they enabled others to succeed around them? Well, Makai is the same guy every day um, in, in terms of his work ethic, in terms of what he does in the classroom. Um, he, he brings a great role model to that room on a day-to-day -day basis. I think J-Roy has is, is really steadied himself in terms of you know, what he's done on a day-to-day -day basis um, you know, on the practice field. Is, look, he was banged up a little bit earlier in the season, um, had some back issues, and um, you know, I thought there was some inconsistency early on, but he's really steadied himself to give us really good play here down the stretch. And um, again, you know, when you're better in November, especially at that position, which, as you know, is a high contact position, it says a lot about how he's taking care of himself and doing the right things. And um, I think both of them are different players, you know, but I think both of them have really down the stretch here have been really important for us. Ryan, you mentioned Noah's intelligence. Uh, we interviewed Greg Brooks after the game, Noah as well, and I was really struck by how well they carried themselves throughout the interview, answered the questions you know, that were asked, those kinds of things. How underrated is intelligence in football, and how much has it been a key to this year's success? Well, you bring up both those guys. They were guys that we brought in from the transfer portal as well, and I think you know, many people have asked us many times about the transfer portal. I think it's one of the areas that can really get you in trouble. Uh, or really can get you out of trouble. 
and I think it got us out of trouble because we took great character kids that could represent our pro program in a positive way, uh, both on and off the field. And I think you bring up the point is that both of those guys immediately um, helped us build the right standards in the program and have obviously been real consistent performers for us, and in particular, uh, Noah down the stretch here for us. So I think when you go into the transfer portal, you better know what you're getting. And if you don't, then shame on you. And, and I think we knew what we were getting with those two kids. Ryan, kind of, I guess in some ways building off this and looking ahead, the transfer portal windows are going to open up pretty yeah. soon after the SEC championship game, especially with you all playing that game. How do you manage uh, those kinds of conversations with players and just as a staff getting ready for that window to open up? Yeah, so those are ongoing. Um, you have to kind of balance them, you know, accordingly through um, through the season. Uh, we used a lot of the bye week to kind of get ahead of some of that stuff. Some of it is you have to react, but you're hoping to be less reactionary and, and much more proactive in that. Um, but I think everybody knows what those dates are, um, and some of those conversations will have to take place you know, once the window does open up. I think it's safe to say that you all have been a pretty healthy, relatively healthy team throughout the year. Yeah. Um, to what do you attribute that? This is probably the fewest major injuries that I can remember in a season in a long time. Um, you know, so putting together a team um, that represents um, that end goal, uh, and that team is... Uh, you know, our sports medicine team, uh, it's our nutrition, uh, it's our strength and conditioning, uh, it's all of those, it's sports science, uh, it's, it's that whole team working together on a day-to-day -day basis, it's, it's educating them uh, and making sure that our players understand that if you want to be better in November, uh, you better have a comprehensive plan that takes 365 days into account. So. January and February and March, you're not out doing crazy things. Um, and, and what I mean by crazy things, that you're overtraining, um, but you're training appropriately, uh, your football team. So you, when you get to these days, um, that you don't have soft tissue injuries, that you don't have uh, injuries that keep your kids out of practice. Um, and, and I think it's how you practice, um, making sure that your players take care of themselves. Um, I can tell you that in our spring, we didn't know how to practice, and we learned how to practice the right way. So we would be at this point and have uh, the, the players available um, in the month of November and getting stronger as we went along. There was uh, intrigue when you took this job about you recruiting in the SEC, and a lot of your first two months of the job was recruiting Harold Perkins, I'm sure, from you know when he was committed to A&M, I guess. What do you remember about that that stretch and kind of you know getting Harold Perkins to LSU? Well, I remember everybody being up in arms when he committed to A&M, and and I remember telling everybody to be patient, um, and that uh, if we just be patient and we keep at it, um, we'll see what happens. And, and I think in recruiting, a lot of this is, you know, early on here is just keep keep at it, be patient, keep doing it the right way keep presenting who we are and what our plan is for your development. Um, and you have a chance to, to get anybody to, to come here and, and pull our base. You know, as I said before, make sure that we know who the great players are in this state. Um, so 
I think we've done pretty pretty good in, in, in making sure that those things are occurring. Uh, Coach, I've had some people ask about Quincy Wiggins and how he's progressing and what is he learning and how is he yeah. coming along as a you know a local talented kid. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, obviously we made the decision to redshirt him. Um, he got to his four game threshold and we pulled him from you know obviously dressing and certainly that was the message I think that was sent to everybody. Um, he has really flourished in the last month. Um, the kind of the lights gone on. Uh, I think what we had early on was a young player that you know him as well as anybody from being here locally and following him in high school. He had not a lot high school experience even. Uh, hadn't played a lot of football. Um, I think coming down with us and, and me getting the chance to see him every day on scout team, he's learning how to play the game the right way and um, pretty excited about him moving forward. Coach, what do you see from Derek Davis? I know the running back position was banged up uh, last week. And what do you see from him just to get some carries later on, just during the week, make that move from safety to, to running back? Should have moved him there sooner. Um, you know, I, I think what, what, what we saw that is that was his last game. Um, he's at the four-game threshold, and, and we want to preserve his, his year because um, we saw some talent there. So um, for the Derek Davis fans out there, you won't see him again. Um, he's done for the year. Um, but, yeah, pretty excited about his future. And, uh, you know, we want to preserve his, the, the years that he has left. And it doesn't make sense now to, to put him in a game and, and have that be the fifth game. That's not fair to him. Um, he made a decision to help us out, and we're going to make sure we, we help him on, on his end too. Coach, um, it, given that you guys never really had to, didn't, given that you didn't really need to have to be as aggressive in the portal when you were at Notre Dame, uh, what sort of lessons did you take from this past season when you had to be more aggressive in the portal that you can take into this year? Well, it's kind of what I've alluded to. I, I think any time that you go in and take transfers that have been in other programs, uh, you got to make sure they're not carrying a lot of baggage. And, and you got to make sure that um, they understand the standards within your program, what your expectations are, clearly, that there's no promises um, other than the things that you want accomplished within your program. Um, and, and it's just clearly communicated as to, you know, what the things that you're looking for in, in making this transfer. Um, as, as you know, a lot of them were from the state of Louisiana. And, and so, you know, if we can continue down that road where there is a connection to LSU in the state, uh, we want that as well. Ryan, uh, this just in, uh, Matt House made the list of semifinalists for the Broyles Awards. So. Deservingly so, yeah. deservingly so. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, second, I'm still, still learning about you a little bit. Uh, uh, Texas A&M player Jalen Preston says something colorful about trying to ruin your team's season when, they, when you play a couple of weeks ago. Do you subscribe to bulletin board material? Is, is uh, I, I kind of figured you're more of an inward focused kind of. Yeah. Kind so of if he was going to be playing for us and he was one of my players, I right now probably discipline him. Um, but for us, it's it's really about our preparation and 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 how we prepare um, is going to make a bigger difference than what anybody says about us. So, um, you know, I, I kind of got through that a long time ago. That that what people say really has little to do on how you play. Um, look, we know it's a rivalry game. We know it's A&M. Our guys know that. Um, they don't need any more motivation to play this game. So 
that's a distraction. We'll focus on what will get us to play better, uh, and that's our preparation, and we'll focus on that. Coach, kind of piggybacking off what Scott said, usually around here when a defensive coordinator has a lot of success, people try to cherry-pick him. Are you concerned about that at all? No. If, if, if Matt House gets an opportunity where he thinks he's you know, going to be better for it, um, I will help him in any way possible. Um, you know, I think that's part of this profession. Um, he's done an outstanding job. Um, I don't know that um, Matt House came here to be you know, the defensive coordinator for a year. He's going to have to run through his family and his wife. Um, I think they like it here, but that's up to Matt. But I would never be in the way of any of our coaches if they have an opportunity to move on to be a head coach, um, I would fully support them. Uh, you mentioned the great job Jaden did this past weekend. You played him a little bit longer than I was expecting. Just your thoughts on him trying to you know, keep up his, I guess, efficiency and production and just where he is at at this point in the season with two games remaining. Yeah, so I think more than anything else, um, it, it's about him continuing to prepare the right way uh, that allows him to play assertive and aggressively. And, and that, I think, is where we are with, with our quarterback. Um, I, I felt really good. I know he felt good about his preparation. He'll need to do that again this week. Um, I'm not going to give any excuses as to why he didn't prepare as well or couldn't prepare as well. But that Arkansas week, he had the flu. He was sick. Um, and and um, it just it wasn't the kind of preparation necessary. It was great this week. And we're going to have to stay on top of it again um, because we can clearly see when he prepares well, he plays well. Hey, Coach, as best you can tell, uh, why has A&M struggled so much this year? It's a young football team. Um, you know, it's, it's a very talented football team, but it's young. And, and so, you know, you can see at times it is really scary. Uh, and then sometimes, you know, there's, there's a loss there of maybe uh, some focus. And, but this is a, if they put it all together, it's not a team you want to be around when, when they put it all together. Uh, it's, a, it's a very talented football team. Hey, Coach, right up here to your left. Um, so it seems like in the past couple of weeks, a good bit of your players have gotten sick with the flu. But, I mean, Harold Perkins played his best game. You said Jaden could have prepared better. What you, you think like how motivated they are to play, even though they have to sometimes play through illnesses? Yeah, I think they all want to play regardless. Um, you know, Damari Tolan um, had 102 uh, temperature on uh, Friday. Um, and uh, so we, we pulled him out of the hotel, and uh, his fever broke, and, and we were able to play him. Um, Kayshawn was sick. He tried to play. He was, we gave him an IV. He couldn't answer the bell. I mean, everybody's individually different, you know, in terms of how they get through it. Um, but they all want to play. They all want to fight through it. And, and generally, we've been very lucky that, that it's been a quick-moving um, uh, flu in the terms of 24 hours. And once, once they get through it, they've been able to bounce back and, and play for us. Great. Thank you. Back here inside the Capital One Studios.
just outside of Historic Tiger Stadium. It's the Brian Kelly Press Conference delivered to you by ASAP Hunt Palmer here with you, Chris Blair. Just got finished up calling an LSU victory down in the Cayman Islands. Tiger 77, Illinois State 61. So, and the 16-point victory for Matt McMahon's crew that moves to 3-0. They will play again tomorrow down there in Paradise. A couple of highlights from the Matt, uh, the Brian Kelly press conference for you. Uh, as you mentioned, Scott Rabble asked a question there. Uh, Broyles Award announced as semifinalist, and Matt House, LSU defensive coordinator, was named a semifinalist. Brian Kelly saying that that's well-deserved, and I think all of us would agree that it certainly is. LSU's defense has played excellent football this season. Mentioned a couple of guys who will not play moving forward. Quincy Wiggins and Derek Davis, both of those guys, have played their four games. They will redshirt in their first year here in Baton Rouge. A little bit of an update there on LSU running back Josh Williams, who suffered from a knee sprain. They're going to move him questionably this week, and we'll see if he can give it a go on Saturday night in Kyle Field. That game between LSU and Texas A&M will kick off at 6 o'clock on Saturday. That means at 4 o'clock we will hit the airwaves on LSU game day presented by Three Olives. be myself, Hunt Palmer, Brandon Taylor, Marlon Favorite for 90 minutes getting you ready for LSU and the Aggies. Tigers looking for their 10th win and head on over to Atlanta for the SEC Championship game in style. So have a great Thanksgiving week. Enjoy your holiday with friends and family. We're back in action on Saturday, cranking up the pregame show at 4 o'clock for LSU and Texas A&M. You've been listening to the Brian Kelly Press Conference delivered to you by ASAP right here on the LSU Sports Radio Network. This has been the Brian Kelly Press Conference, delivered by ASAP, the official mobile ordering partner of LSU Athletics. Download the ASAP app today.